Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstead. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode number 56 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We are your hosts. I am Matt Olson. Over there we have Danny Oakstead. Yay. That maniacal motherfucker. What the fuck you talking about? That put a hit on Gets people uh, shot with Nerf guns. <laughs> <laughs> and that... You have no proof. <laughs> and that and that other she voice... She told me. Hearsay. You got ratted out. Hearsay. And the, uh, the victim of this Nerf gun tragedy, JB, is here with us as well. He's no longer hexproof. <laughs> right? Apparently, apparently I can get shot with a Nerf gun. Danny does the jokes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, hello. That's who we are. <laughs> I lost a little bit of that whole roll there. We were yep. going. We broke. We were breaking for the last hour and a half. God damn it. <sighs> so, we got an episode Big news happened today on multiple different fronts, and we're going to cover that here. But before we go into the breakdown, I want to tell you guys about our amazing sponsor, J-Dubs Sports Cards and Gaming. They are located in Fargo, North Dakota at the West Acres Mall down in the basement. They have a ton of magic products. You want your Zendikar Rising? Go there. They have pre-release packs still. They got the collective collector boosters, the set boosters. They got the normal draft boosters. They got singles and magic product galore. They still got their bounty going on for cards that they want to fill up their case with, where you get an extra 10% when you trade in a card that's on their bounty list. Arid Mesa and Polluted Delta, two cards that have been on there for a long time. Nobody wants to give those cards up right now. Why would they? They're really good. They're Exactly. Nice. And we're maybe mention something a little here that'll maybe be brought up in the finance section, but... Those box topper expeditions mm-hmm. cheaper than the Master Seventeen, expe- or, uh, cheaper than the Master Modern Masters Seventeen Fetchlands. Really? Yeah. Hmm. If you want Fetchlands, start getting those little, uh, little uh, pre-finance stuff there. <laughs> also, J Dubs they can assist you with getting cards graded through Beckett and PSA. You fill out a little form, you get send the card in to uh, Josh at J-Dubs, <clears throat> they send it all out, then it's a lot cheaper than you doing it by yourself, because you're not paying for shipping and handling and all this other stuff. It's all done, nice, cheap fee. We have Danny, who's going through it right now. Want to give us an update? With what? Your uh, grading card right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Pay attention, it might help. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I haven't heard anything from Josh yet. Uh, I guess I haven't been in there for a while. But yeah, I do have a uh, a Mox Diamond out for grading through PSA. So kind of hoping it comes back with a 9.5 or higher. Fingers crossed. I, I'm expecting it's been 9.5 at least just due to the fact that I have not touched this card personally because it was in wrapping. And I had Josh at J-Dubs unwrap it so the only person who's ever touched it is him, and I guess whoever's touching it at PSA. 
So yeah, it's very few fingers have touched this card. So I'm hoping to have very little deductions from the score. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll keep you updated throughout that whole process. Yep. I guess Matt will. I, I don't know. Maybe. One final thing with J-Dubs is all you guys in the Valley area who want to attend ValleyCon, which is coming up October 15th through the 18th at the Ramada in Fargo, J-Dubs is going to have a booth there where they're going to be having Magic Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pop figures for sale. So just another way for you to be interacting. Just another way for you guys to be interacting with J-Dubs. But from there, let's jump into that breakdown. We have some Boggle Desk information. We're going to be passing off there shortly to JB, where he's going to tell us about some Red Bull and Pioneer events. Talk about some of the upcoming events uh, regarding Red Bull, TWC, and Grand Finals. Danny's favorite part of the show, BNRs. Then we're going to jump into the news where we have some auditioning for the Command Zone, a new podcast for y'all to listen to, <laughs> an update on the Pro and Rivals League, then some secret layers. After that, jumping into the finance section and closing off with what we think is everyone's favorite part of this episode is Deck of the Week brought to us by a local magic folk. Good old gargoyle. I think it's gargoyle. He's gargoyle to me. <laughs> I don't care if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. It's gargoyle. How <laughs> give shit? Gargoyle and his allies. Or in this case, but it's Jund. Doesn't say it's not allies this time. Gargoyle, you want to give us some Jund allies? But before we deviate too for too much farther, let's jump over to the Boggle Desk with JB. Okay, so we had a Red Bull Untapped event go on this weekend. First place we had this one was standard, right? Why don't you tell us? Yeah, yeah, it was on Arena. Doesn't say. God damn it! Does it say? Yeah, Red Bull Germany. Oh, there it is. Yeah, boom, format standard. <laughs> you read know, the fucking page, dumbass. If you read the show notes ahead of time. I don't have time to. <laughs> it doesn't say in the show notes. Yeah, but you can click the link. All right, so. This past weekend, we had a Red Bull untapped event. Looks like it was an online qualifier. Germany. Format was standard. First place was taken down by Ronald Mueller, playing four-color Omnath. Second place with Salti Control. Third place, four-color Omnath. Fourth place, Salti Control. Fifth place was Mono Red Aggro. Sixth place, Mono Red Aggro. Seventh place, four-color Ramp with Omnath. And eighth place, Mono Red Aggro. Good stuff fact that uh, Omnath didn't dominate the Red Bull. Pretty significant. Well, he did right. win. Yeah. yeah, he did win. But in all the SEG challenges this whole week, I don't know if y'all have been seeing that, but Omnath dominating 
all of those like in the top so many copies of it in the top 16 top 32 and stuff Mm -hmm. and we're gonna actually note on that in the future stick tuned folks right that meme (laughs) that meme that mason posted that was good stuff all right so next up we have a pioneer tournament Fuck do you say that? Haruya? Her- Haruya. Okay, we'll go with that. Emperor <laughs> of Pioneer. Second season, so apparently there's been another one of these already. Um so first first place we had Saram Auras. Not even gonna try to attempt that name. Sorry, buddy. Second place we had Reclamation Control. Third place was Rakdos Control. Fourth place, we had another Sram Auras. Fifth place was Winota. Sixth place, Feather Aggro. Seventh place, Sram Auras again. Eighth place was Reclamation Control. Wow, Control without white, huh? I mean, Grixis Control, son. Well, well, I mean, this yeah, is team that, you got counters and stuff and removal. Right. You don't need white for board wipes. And especially when you got this that has anger of the gods, like, there's your board wipe. Right there. Right. Good stuff. All right. So that'll do it for our past events. So for our upcoming events, we've got Red Bull Untapped Online Qualifier France. Format standard. Registration's open for a couple more days. For all of our France listeners out there. So this event's a one-day qualifier. Play begins at uh, 10 o'clock CEST. I have no idea what that is. Probably (laughs) coastal Europe or something, I'm guessing. Central. Fucking Central Europe? That doesn't make sense. Europe. France ain't in Central. Well, I mean, I guess they can go off. That's what I was thinking, coastal. But things go off of Eastern and uh, Pacific time here in the United States. So maybe it is. Who knows? They're weird over there. <clears throat> we are very well known for here of being accurate on our time zones. Well, then Google it so we can be accurate. Well, fine. Just <laughs> That's <go>. a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be a joke. We've done it for like the last six months of trying to figure out UTC and PTSD. And, no, not right. PTSD. PT- well, <laughs> well, yeah, we have PTSD from it. God damn it. Continue on before we dig ourselves into a deeper <laughs> hole here, JB. So apparently, disregard my <laughs> former statement of registration is open for a couple of days because unless you're a resident of France... This event is not for you. It's restricted to residents of France only. But we can watch it, which is exciting to see. Yes, you know we can watch it. All, all the red beans. So yeah, there's that going on. Then we have the Disorganized Wizards Club organization. I don't know if you guys. <clears throat> listen to the podcast but these guys are really sharp on their uh standard analysis and stuff well i don't really play standard 
that much. I hate it. It's just shitty format. They also do historic. Historic's not any better. But this one is standard. Yes, this one is standard. So they're doing an organizational tournament. Zendikar Rising Standard Championship. Looks like there's 256 spots. Free to play. Uh, standard best of three. Open deck list. Swiss plus cut to top eight. Honestly, highly Coverage. recommend watching this stuff. Yep. Coverage is going to be streamed on Twitch. Through the DWC. I've I've watched a couple of their uh, their organizations and uh, a couple of their uh, take their money events and stuff that they do. Yeah, cannot stress this enough. The DWC, great event to try and get into. If you're into standard, I posted this here because I just wanna wanna give them more shout outs. I guess. Oh, we've got the MTG 2020 Grand Finals coming up. It is a total of 32 of the best Magic Gathering players from 2020 will compete in the first Grand Finals event for a total of a $250,000 prize pool. That's a lot of money. So it's scheduled to take place from October 9th through the 11th on Arena. It will feature constructed gameplay in historic and standard formats. Each player competing was given a God account by Wizards of the Coast that contains every standard legal card and wild cards to unlock historic legal cards. Only the top 16 finishers from the Players Tour Finals and the Mythic Invitational are competing at the Grand Finals, featuring veteran Magic players like Luis Scott Vargas, Raphael Levy, Autumn Burchett, Seth Manfield, Brad Nelson, and Ken Yukihiro. The format will consist of game plan historic and standard, to 12 with the top 8 facing off in a standard constructed format only. Players who earn 8 match wins will automatically advance to the top 8 playoffs and will not have to finish playing the Swiss rounds. That's pretty cool. So day 1 begins on October 9th. It's going to have a total of 6 Swiss rounds with both historic and standard. Rounds 1 through 3 are going to be historic constructed. Rounds 4 through 6 are going to be standard constructed. Two will feature players with eight wins automatically qualify in both standard and historic formats. Again, looks like rounds seven through nine standard constructed and rounds 10 through 12 are going to be historic constructed. And then day three is the playoffs. Players who lose the first time in an upper bracket match will have a second chance in the lower bracket. It's going to get Twitch coverage. Yep. This will be on the uh, oh, yeah. twitch.tv slash magic coverage. Uh, the coverage team has not been announced yet since it's eh, it's a couple weeks away. I imagine that we should be receiving information on who's doing coverage for that. Probably pretty soon, yeah. So that'll do it for our upcoming events. I guess we'll turn it over to Danny and see if we have a BNR. Oh, I was not playing Jewel Quest. <laughs> Tired of everything. He's just like. I thought you wanted to get going, Danny. I thought you wanted. Yeah, to an hour and a half ago, well, you guys kept taking you forever. Distracted, Danny. Hey, if you, if your mic would actually work, right, not stop cutting in and out. Hey, I can't. 
I can't help fired. it that my computer's fucking shit. See, we would be one. we we'd be done with this already. <laughs> I mean, you ain't wrong. But anyway, blame, blame my faulty electronics. Uh, we'll just blame you in general. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess we'll we'll go to the B and R's. Wait for my phone to load because it's being stupid. Because wait, no, it took forever for these guys to get here, so we had uh, I had to wait. <laughs> Says the one playing Jewel Quest. Whatever. <laughs> so as of September 28th, 2020, a long-awaited ban and restricted announcement for Earl, the Titan of the Nature's Wrath, has been announced. Gone. It's my hammer. He's about, what, nine months late <laughs> in banning? <laughs> I mean, you ain't wrong. So, so essentially, he gave birth to Omnath. Oh. Well. Oh, why'd you have to put that picture in everybody's head, JB? Sure, let's quote that. The fuck is wrong with well, you? Well, you said he was nine months late. <laughs> Press on, Danny. Or did Omnath give birth to Earl? I mean. Because technically, Earl would be nine months late. So, Ur- so you're saying Omnath gave birth to Earl? I don't like this analogy anymore. <laughs> anyway, so those who've been playing standard on Arena have found out that Earl is even more stupid, crazy with Omnath and Lotus Cobra. Oh, boy. Oh boy, are people not too excited about this at all? Like they're happy that Uro's gone finally, but they feel like it's a little bit too late. Yeah, yeah, he should have been banned back when uh, Girl Spiral was banned, or even before Girl Spiral was banned. Girl Spiral died for Uro's sins. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. Just Along like faithless looting and field the dead. Uh, picking old scabs there, JB. Are we? Just a little bit. <laughs> but for those who have not read the article brought to you by Ian Duke, um, it reads: We've been keeping a close eye on the emergency emerging wow emerging Zenkar Rising standard format over its first week of availability on Magic the Arena and Magic Online. With millions of games have already having already been played on digital platforms, early data and results from events this past weekend have shown that multicolor ramp decks featuring Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, Lotus Pe- Cobra, and Omneth, Locus of Creation, are a problem in the new post-rotation metagame. While Uro, Uro, while Uro, while Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, was a powerful and continuous card in pre-rotation standard environment, we wanted to allow the metagame to adapt to the last set of standard changes and the immediate, ro- immediate rotation before making a decision on whether to let it remain a part of the environments going forward. This weekend's events underscored that the four colored Omneth decks are dominantly early play and then even the decks built to try to beat those decks utilizing the powerful Titan. 
In order to weaken the post-rotation ramp strategies, we're choosing to ban Earl Titan of Nature's Wrath in Standard. Our goal is to bring these decks to a level where they are still appealing and competitive, but where natural metagame forces are enough to keep them in check. In general, we prefer this approach to overshooting the mark and moving archetype from viability. However, we're certainly noted this weekend's strong results from the four-color Omnath deck, and we'll continue to watch how the strategy in the overall metagame adjusts in the coming weeks. It's unusual for us to make a change this early into a season, but in this case, we're targeting a card that has shown signs of being problematic in the past, which continued to display its dominance during events this past weekend. Additionally, the speed at which high-level digital play attacks new formats, particularly when digital play is the only high-level play available, means the metagames advance past the early stages far faster than they used to. We prefer to make these changes now so players can continue to make the most enjoyment out of post-rotation standard, which is one of the most exciting things in Magic to explore and innovate. Finally, I'd like to emphasize that for this BNR change, our focus was primarily on standard and historic, with an eye for the upcoming 2020 Grand Series. Ah, for the upcoming 2020 season Grand Finals, changes to other formats, if needed, will be included in future updates. End article. Which means they're just getting rid of it because he's not selling packs anymore. <laughs> I mean, no, you ain't wrong. Well, I mean, if they wanted to nip this Omnath deck in the bud. No, yeah. Well, it's not the Omnath. It's the Uro decks. Is the, yeah, I agree with you. Uro probably hasn't been bringing in the money like he was. But the Uro decks have been a problem for all, all formats. It's true. So he needed to be banned, but they should have banned him a long time ago. Yeah, nobody's going to definitely argue with Uro needing to have been gone like six months ago, seven months ago, yeah. kind of a thing. Uh, it's just seeing it with Omnath, like Omnath is the one that's causing all this turn four shenaniganery. Yeah, I get that. That's the best way to put it. And Uro definitely helped play into that. And like here, they're saying that they're hoping to weaken the the ramp strategy they don't want the ramp strategy to go away but they just want it to be weakened they should have tagged lotus cobra in my opinion yeah none of us ever played in zendikar original zendikar when lotus cobra was a thing so i mean i know that lotus cobra was always a talking point uh of being a super powerful card but never really experienced it in person i guess until now in standard it's really, really, really stupid because they they play it and then there's a couple of the cards that are allowing them to drop extra land drops and then they're dropping their Evolving Wilds, Fable Passages, and then they're freaking cracking the Evolving Wilds and Fable Passages and then they're getting even more and then they're basically fucking turn three, turn four and Ugin and exiling your whole goddamn board. Well, just imagine... Or they form- make 5,000 fucking scoots. <laughs> Imagine the format if it had fetch lands in it, like it was an actual Zendikar. Original they have Zendikar. fetch lands. Not standard legal. Yeah, not. We don't have. The they have ten. fabled passage. They have they're, evolving wilds. Those are fetches. They're just slow fetches that everybody thinks are dumb. Right. No, they're good. That's eight that a deck can have at max. I haven't looked at decks, but I imagine Lotus Cobra's decks of days past probably had way more fetches 
than just eight. When was when was original Zendikar? Uh, original Zendikar was like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, because Lorwyn I think was two thousand eight. But anyways, yeah, no. Uro being gone is good, but standard is definitely still a clusterfuck. A lot of people are still not happy with the bans that happened. Uh, they're just still saying, you know, four-colored math is going to be a thing. No, no, I'm an optimistic person. I'm hoping that because of taking away a very versatile tool like Uro, not only being like early game, accelerant, late game, body of an actual threat, it's i'm hoping that you know other decks can rise like you got the gruel adventures deck showing up and then mono red there's uh, a blue black control deck that have been showing up not very well because omnath decks have been really oppressive on a lot of different strategies and a lot of games were just like changing your four color omnath deck to fight the other mirror match but Honestly, in my opinion, I think Uro has been around long enough to where I personally don't think Uro's that much of a problem. There's ways to deal with him. I've found ways to deal with him. I personally don't. Th- I mean, yeah, it's fucking kind of busted being able to turn three, drop extra land, shit like that, whatever. And it's a 6-6 six, six when it comes back out. But I personally have found main board reasons, you know, main board ways of getting around him. I'm not as scared of Uro as I am of all this other new shit that just dropped out of this fucking set. Especially Omnath. The the amount of value that Omnath gets you, I mean, and Lotus Cobra ramps you pretty solid. Yes, like, between these four-color decks, the Lotus Cobra, the Omnath, and even some of these Gruul decks that are ramping out with Lotus Cobra and dropping Terror of the Peaks and then making 5,000 scoots and just totally blowing you out of the water with a 10-minute turn. It's Lotus Cobra is a problem. You're hearing it here now, folks. Jody's calling it out. the freaking problem. Yeah. It's a disgusting card in standard. Especially since there's not... I mean, I feel like there's a lot of stuff to do, but then to do against it, but then you're warping your deck. Like, we were talking in the Discord about these Omnath decks really making it feel like Hogak Summer, where your main board is specifically like 8 to 16 slots of your main board are specifically there to be targeting out the Hogak decks and replace it now with the Omnath decks. You need all of these removal spells ranging from anything to kill the Cobra to just try and slow them down, but even when they get Omnath out, then it's just like you're already starting to fall behind as soon as they cast Omnath because they draw a card and then they play a land because they know how to sequence this stuff. Like you're going to be playing it on turn five, where it's like mm-hmm. turn four, turn five, cast it, draw a card, play a fabled passage or an evolving wilds. You get that mana. You get that extra mana from the second ability. You gain the life. It's uh, yeah, no. The when a deck when decks have to warp around just in the main board to combat one deck, it definitely seems like there might be something wrong. I know in the beginning of Hogak Summer, I was optimistic that maybe things would come around. Hence, it didn't. Yeah, and it didn't. And in the back of my head, I want to be optimistic, 
but definitely, especially with this this comparison of coming to light of having to have mainboard interaction, a, a severe amount of your deck, a third, almost a third of your deck, to be able to interact with a deck just to maybe get yourself a chance, that is not a healthy format, I would believe. Because uh, red decks necessarily can't go underneath them as fast with the life gain that Omnath and Uro was getting getting them. Like, that was seven life. Because Uro gets you three, Omnath gets you four. That is ridiculous for any red deck to try and, like, overcome. Seven life, like, Danny, you're a red player. Opponent gains seven life. What's your first thought? I'm dead. <laughs> and then... But, but I haven't played standard since Born of Gods. But the concept is still going to be the same. So, like, red decks, you're going to want to be going under. You're going to want to be hitting. As soon as, like, even a, an opponent gaining, like, three life, that negates, like, one of your spells, one of your burns, one of your attacks. Yeah, but... Gaining four but, to seven. Yeah, I get that. But you're also... I don't, I don't know. With... The red players are going to play burn control other than burn aggro. Like... Obviously, I, I'm a very heavy burn aggro person. I I have always been like that. Yes. Um, attack fast, attack, attack as often as I can. Even though with my red deck, I don't attack any at all because I don't need to. Um, then again, that's modern. But you're still burning. You're dealing damage, hoping that your opponent's not getting because true. Your your spells but, only get you so far. But with life. with with my deck, that seven, it's it's a lot, but. With my mono red deck, it's doable. I can get back to where I should be, but their guys aren't also going to stay on the field because I can, with my deck I can target their their creature, get rid of their creature, and still deal damage. But that's how I play. That's how I have my burn deck set up, so I don't have to deal that combat damage per se. So, and I can play that burn control a lot easier than most red players i think but i i get it with standard and the limited yeah, you don't have the same cards as you do Ex- exactly it's 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 standard i get the fact that everyone's mad about the whole screwroot bombs that are happening but is there isn't there cards that deal one damage to all creatures in standard you know they got a couple of those but the fact that it's when it comes to these Omnath decks that are incorporating Scoop Mob and Tear of the Peaks, like oh yeah, oh, I, coming I, at I, you at multiple different I, I, I saw I saw a picture on one of the Facebook groups I'm with that a guy had over 200 billion life points. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I get know. it. There's a lot of life gain, a lot of life gain, but. The blue players have had the. I guess when I played standard, blue players always had the advantage of the broken cards. I guess it's just karma coming back and giving green the overall advantage over all of this right now. But green and blue always pair together now. Well, now it's gruel rather than because Omneth is gruel, so everyone's going gruel, and it just seems like red, red and green have had, I guess, more of the power cards recently. Last few sets, um, I get it. Blue and green with Uro, 
which is finally gone. But I don't know. I just I I find no problem with it. I give it a few weeks, see if it straightens out, which it probably won't. But I'm sure we'll see Omneth being banned within I don't know nine months. It'll be about <laughs> about it'll be about a month before it goes out of rotation, and they'll ban it like they did with Earl. But I don't know. We'll see. It's just I just I just like when the blue players start whining because the cards are <laughs> destroying their decks. It's kind of funny. It's like, oh, hey, you're a control player. Suck it. Danny, I'm sorry for hurting you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt. No, no I, if, if you can pull it off, go for it. It's, it's a one, what, screw it's a one, one. One run for three, yeah. Okay, Lotus Cobra is a two, one. Yep. Yeah, Onmuth is a four, four, so you can't burn it, really. You can take two spells to burn it, but the other guys are two, ones. Yeah, they just combo off. It's. I don't think it's the card itself. It's the card, the fact that they have landfall is what the problem is with this whole set. The landfall ability with everything basically having landfall screws everyone over. Yeah, because with Omnath and Lotus Cobra, you're just gonna crap ton of mana there. Yeah. Yep. And then they just cultivate, 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 evolving wilds, fucking fable passage, and then you're staring down the barrel of three thousand fucking scoots. Which is kind of funny, because when was when was the last time Mono Green was powerful in Standard? Uh, I mean, you had the for the longest time, like tier tier one, tier one point five has been like the Mono Green Stompy style decks, where you got like the new uh, Vivian with the Wish package in the side. Like those decks have been doing pretty good since last year as well. Um. But but, but, blue, I, but I mean, when was the last time a mono green deck has had this much hate? But this ain't mono green. But but yeah, I get that. But like, a mono green now can actually get this much hate with Lord's Cobra and Screwed. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Like I've I've, I've seen I've seen well, and then with the mutate the uh the great horn, yes, the I get to great horn mutate yep, that that mutates. I've been seeing people post that on about Arena all the time. It's like, yeah. it's a mono yep. green deck that's wrecking everyone. And you can't forget about the auspicious Starks. Yep. Because that could drop, you know, three to four land. Yep. On a mutate. But a lot of, I guess, a lot of people are just breaking Arena with this combo, which is funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're getting a lot of screws, but they don't have haste. So yeah, you're sitting there, but you, at least you're getting a turn to answer rather than just blowing up your board and then killing you that same turn. Right. They got Terror of the Peaks though to stop that as like that incidental quick uh, deal yep, damage. There's like. Terror of the Peaks. Otherwise, also there's another red creature I think that's gonna that gives all your other creatures haste right now in standard. Was there? Yeah, it came mm-hmm. out in Zendikar. It's two and a red for an O four wall. Oh, uh, all creatures gives haste. haste. Yeah. Okay. I don't, have 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 decks really been using that there, JB? I haven't seen I haven't seen a I'm list that not, used it. I mean, I've seen some mono red decks use it, but I guess I haven't paid attention enough when uh, I've been playing against these Lotus Cobra decks because I see Lotus Cobra come out and I just fucking rage, rightfully so. Yeah, because the those guys are just playing mono green rather than red no, green or it's gruel or four color. Is it? I, again, no, I, I don't play standard. They, they always pair it with Terror of the Peaks. I don't play standard. Yep, Terror of the Peaks is just too good with all those scoots that are coming in. It's just 
ping you to death with every scoot that comes in. Yeah. Since it's exponential. Yep. But anyway, that's a that's a good amount of standard talk from three schmucks with some mics there, right? Especially for one that hates standard. <laughs> I think we all do, except for Matt. Matt I, doesn't count. I. It's not that I hate. Matt I don't like play standard. Yeah, I don't play standard. I enjoy watching all these like decks, like seeing these rogue decks, these gruel decks, these adventure decks. The fact I don't know. I'm still still kind of like hyped for the fact that adventure decks are still seeing play because they didn't have anything really that got taken out of them for post rotation. It's all yep. from Theros or yep. not Theros from a uh, Throne of Eldraine. Yep. I don't know. All those decks, watching them play, like watch a mirror match of Omnath. So those are kind of like eh. they, boring. They, 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 draw. they got, th- they were able to uh, push your thumb back before you're able to push your, their thumb back. Yep. And so, yeah, but, Let's talk about some Blogata, get into the news. We really got to pound through these quickies here and then talk about the other thing that old Magic players... Today was just a day where Magic players didn't like a lot of things because we're going to talk about that in the uh, the Seeker Lair drop here. Anyway, so this Blogata of the Week comes from my favorite flavor is Blue. He asks Mark, or they ask Mark, you've gone on record as a fan of alternate, alternate win cons. Poison Posse to represent. Whoop, whoop. Damn poison. Calling your tits, sir. Infect is broken. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. You just have to have creatures, Danny. Still uncomfortable. Gotta have creatures. Still uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, the one or two cards in the entire universe that actually counters infect. Removal spells. Here I am defending. Continue on. <laughs> Fuck counter you, spells, man. Removal spells, solemnity. But once you have Infect, you're stuck with it unless you have two cards that are the only two cards that remove Infect counters. It's a creature and then there's a sp- enchantment. That's it. Just going to show well, you that just there's Just run plot. those two cards and you'll be fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to this. My favorite, my favorite flavor is Blue Ass. You've gone on record as a fan of alternative win conditions. Are there any alt wins you've been denied making regardless of border you can share? Mark replies, Glee Max's original design, remember it costs one million to cast, was tap, win the game unless an opponent pays you one dollar. We had to change it. Interesting. Did not know that about Glee Max. Because Glee Max, yeah. It's a, it's a million to cast, but it gives you a million in colorless. Yep. It's a silver border card. But yeah, tap it, and you win the game, unless your opponent pays you a dollar. <laughs> yeah, that's so bad, because there's multiple ways. It's just like, untap this artifact, retap it again, pay me a dollar, or you lose the game. Yep. <laughs> you just See see this, how see how much they want to give you before they just, ah, fuck it, I'll take the loss. This, this seems to be on the same level of, like, anti-cards when anti-cards were a thing. I'm this pretty is, sure they had that discussion. Totally a, uh, I know it's on, it'd be an unhinged or some specialty card. Yeah, this was, I'm pretty sure it was unhinged. Was it unhinged? Yeah. No, uh, not unhinged, uh, unglued. Unglued, oh yeah, the f- wasn't it the first one? Yeah, the first onset. I can't remember the onsets. We're not that versed in that. 
Unglued, unstable, unhinged. No, unhinged, unstable. Unstable is the later. Well, either way. And then you have unsanctioned. Yeah. Yep, unsanctioned was the newest. But anyways, that's uh, kind of a bounce off of the whole Scroot win con. <laughs> but anyways, Matt, what's next? We got some JB stuff here to talk about. Okay, so I guess you can audition to become a game knight. With who? The, the game knights. But who are they? Yeah. They're the game knights. I don't know. It doesn't say their fucking names. I don't know them by name. They're from Command Zone. Well, there you go. <laughs> Read the fucking link. I am reading the thing. Apparently not on the show notes because it says from Command Zone. Or well, yeah, everybody Command knows zone. the game knights are from Command Zone. I didn't. Well, you're just not. So well you pushed. you have to say, hey, audition to become a game knight with Command Zone. Hey, Danny. So those for those, for those who don't listen to the Command Zone podcast would know who the fuck they were. Nobody knows who they are. So fucking specify. So, the Game Knights from the Command Zone podcast are holding auditions for you to become a Game Knight. Yeah. So, the entry. You have to send in a video telling them your favorite story from a game of Commander. It can be literally about anything. Just your favorite story from a game of Commander. Only one audition is going to be accepted per Patreon account. It cannot be longer than three minutes in length and cannot be edited. Well, should not be edited, so don't edit it. Video and audio quality do not matter as long as we can see who you are and understand what you're saying. They're looking for the perfect guest who fits what Game Nights is all about. Be animated, passionate, articulate, and fun. Post your audition video to YouTube. And email the link to commandzonecast at gmail.com with the subject heading Patreon Audition for Game Nights 2020. Also, make sure to state your full name, Patreon username, ID, age, and where you're from at the beginning of your audition video. On to the restrictions. Must be an active supporter of the Command Zone Patreon. Must be 18 years of age or older. All videos must be received by 11 p.m. on November 1st. All videos must be no more than three minutes in length. Applicants from all around the world are accepted. However, the airfare and travel offer is only valid to legal residents of the United States. All entrants agree to be bound by the conditions for submission. Winner will be notified on a future episode of the show. Good luck. So there you have it. You could uh, go and have fun with the game nights. Either one of you guys going to be posting something up there? No, I'm not in their Patreon. Me neither. It does say it's okay to sign up for Patreon in order to audition. I might do it. Yeah, but I'm not a whale, so... Well, they have a minimum of $1. It doesn't say what level of Patreon tier you got to pay. So it's just yeah, like... That, that, that's a that's dollar, though. That's a lot. It's a lot of money. Dollar for a gamble to try and get on? I think it'd be cool. Show them, show them off my mimeoplasm deck, and get hated out of command zone. 
right? That's, they just <laughs> won't pick you, period, because you play Infect. Well, stick tuned to see if that happens. Next, we're going to cover Dragon Shield, makers of fine sleeves and binders, now has a fantasy podcast. It's a storytelling where it follows the story of a young mage who wants to become part of a mage society. They have four episodes out right now on any podcasting app like Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Find it there. It is called Dragon Shield's Dragon Shield Kingdom Podcast. Links in the description down below. It's super good. I, I listened to it today. It got me enthralled. I can't wait till the next one comes out. Oh. Do they come out on time, Matt? Yes. I'm assuming they do. Do they check the emails? <laughs> that I cannot say if they do or not. But as of 3 p.m., we did not get any new emails. Well, that's good. Uh, so next on the list is uh, Magic is announcing the 20... 20 and 2021 league rosters. I am not going to uh, go through the roster list, but uh, last year's uh, pro league has not changed due to the COVID, but with the Magic Rivals League, they've added players. So now their grand total is 48 people that are on their roster. So like I said, I'm not going to go through the list because I don't want to butcher anyone's names. Links in the description down below. What he said. So next month, Wizards of the Coast is going to be launching a new treat for Magic Gathering fans through Abrams Books. It's going to be called Magic the Gathering Legends of Visual History. Comes from Jay Anelli and Wizards of the Coast. It's going to show off some of the more legendary creatures from the game like Niv-Mizzet, Edgar Markov, and Queen Marchesa, just to name a couple. Uh, Legends of Visual History will be available for fans to enjoy on October 27th. They only have the cover of this, and the cover has Avacyn, Sisse, Gerard, Atraxa, Niv-Mizzet, Cranko, and Brago. And the way that they're standing looks super epic, and I'm just excited to get like an art book. I think I might actually get this. does look pretty sweet right but now we're going to talk about the other thing that magic players are mad about the secret lair uh x the walking dead edition so today september 28th they posted on their articles page on october Fourth, the universe of Magic the Gathering and AMC's The Walking Dead will collide in a one-of-a-kind Secret Lair crossover. Secret Lair X The Walking Dead will be available for pre-order October 4th through the 12th with cards to be printed and shipped after the pre-order concludes. That means if you want them, you're guaranteed to be able to order the drop, but they won't stick around forever. As always. Uh, cards included in this very special secret lair drop will be completely new to magic. Here's the key thing. Depicting the iconic characters of the long-running and critically acclaimed TV shows. Focus on these words right here, y'all. These are mechanically unique 
cards that will be legal in eternal formats. Uh, that would be Commander, Vintage, and Legacy. Commander players especially should look forward to bringing their favorite characters from The Walking Dead to life on the tabletop. So this is in conjunction with the AMC's We Are the Walking Dead weekend, October 4th, which begins with The Walking Dead special event, The Whisper War, at 9 p.m. Eastern, followed by the premiere of The Walking Dead World Beyond at 10 p.m. Eastern, and ends with a special episode of The Talking Dead, where they're going to be showing some more of the Secret Lair drops. So if you're interested in that, stick tuned for there. Uh, they do say here as well, quote, we might be saving the best for last with the Talking Dead reveal, but don't, but that doesn't mean we won't, there won't be exciting reveals around the internet in the days leading up to the big show. In fact, be sure to check out the Hollywood Reporter and GameSpot today, like right now, to see two brand new cards inspired by some of the most memorable characters in The Walking Dead, then follow at MTG Secret Lair Day 9 and our friends at GameSpot for more card reveals ahead of the big show. These are going to be selling for $49.99 and all things Secret Lair. This won't be around for long. Miss a drop, it's gone. Did you guys see the previews? Yes. Who wants to read which? I don't have them pulled up. Hollywood Reporter, then. I'll, I'll read that one. So whoever wants to queue up the next one from GameSpot. We have... So, okay, to start this off, I haven't watched The Walking Dead. I don't know names. I apologize. It's uh, Michonne. Michonne? Okay. Michonne, Ruthless Survivor. It's a car that's mechanically, specifically printed for this, this secret layer drop. Green Black 3 for a 3-3 Human Warrior Legendary. When Mahone, Michonne enters the battlefield, create two walker tokens, as long as Michonne? Yeah, Michonne. Michonne is equipped. She must be blocked if able. When Michonne and at least two zombies attack, she gains indestructible until end of turn. She's a beast in the shell. Yep. I haven't watched it since like season five. Yeah, she didn't show up until what, season three? Two or three, yeah. Something like that. I can't no, yeah, I think it was three because... No, no, I think it was the very end of two. They, like, foreshadowed her. Like, in the last episode, like, she showed up in the last, like, five well, minutes. <laughs> season three is... Looking all badass. Her. And then, yeah. Because, yeah, she was after the farm. Yep. And that's why I just stopped because then it just started being the same freaking episode over and over and over and over. See, over I, st- over I dropped over. off after the prison. After they blew up the prison with the tank and had to go off and find somewhere else to live. In Terminus. I, I, I didn't fucking, watch that far. Yeah, I watched up to Terminus, and then I was just, like, done. I got up to the end of the first season. That's where they walk into the room, right? The Dude, G-G. it's been so long. All right. But needless to say, that's one of the new cards that they're spoiling. They haven't given an official card count of how many cards are coming out in the Secret Light. We already saw the Walker... We already saw the Walker token, and now we have Michonne... And the next card is. All right. So the next one is Negan, the cold blooded. For two generic Mardu, a legendary creature, human rogue. He's a four, three 
When Negan enters the battlefield, you and target opponent each secretly choose a creature that that player controls. Then those choices are revealed, and that player sacrifices those creatures. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a creature, you create a treasure token. So those are the cards that we got right now. And people are super, I don't know, super magic. You know, they don't like these at all. Um, I don't know. Have you guys seen any of the the hatred on online, on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and stuff for this? No, I haven't. All right. So the gist of it is, is these are mechanically different cards. Um, so imagine, remember when Nexus of Fate, like these only can be obtained through box toppers and then like Korvald and all the other brawl decks. Like you can, you couldn't open them in packs unless they're collectors, but like they were just strictly in there mainly. The main thing is these are only going to be in a secret lair, the walking dead. And if these cards turn out to be as any good, there would be a limited supply of them out and people would have a hard time getting these. And some things that people have tossed around is like, this is like the quote unquote new age reserved list kind of thing. It's hard cards to acquire for a really hard price because there's only a limited quantity of them that would be getting printed though. It is uh, several days worth of pre-ordering for this walking dead uh, set it's just, a, a lot of it is people are not going to want this product because they're saying it's the same a product for us and we want people also to to agree so this is one of those things to state to wizards we don't like this don't purchase it because wizards you know they're they're owned by hasbro they see money and if the product sells like if they get their money back for what they invested into this and then some it's going to be a success to them. And people are definitely afraid that this is actually going to be a success and we're going to get more of these, especially things with Kaldheim coming and uh, Strixhaven and now D&D coming. There, some people are nervous that, uh, that there will be exclusive cards, mechanically different cards that are printed in these secret layers that will be super hard to obtain in the secondary market if you don't order the secret layer drop for these. Like all the other secret layer drops, you can get the you can get the original version for cheaper than what the secret drop is. Uh whether it be Theros or the National Women's Day or the uh Godzilla lands, I mean you just get normal lands. You don't need those to play. But these are mechanically different cards that to make this deck, you gotta have these cards. Because there's no like Negan, uh, cold-blooded, that's actually like a Mardu rogue of whatever set, you know? It's not like the Godzilla cards where it was a, you know, quote-unquote skin over a card. Yeah. But I've, uh, I guess, energy buttle, I think. Um, Give it to us. Yeah, I was. I saw an article. Maybe it was actually within the blog talks. I was asked, because um, eventually they'll they'll lose the rights to these cards, 
Yeah, that was another thing too. But Mark's reply is, "Yeah, we may lose the the rights to use the characters, but the abilities that these new cards have can be reprinted on something else." Oh, that is something that he is, oh, I believe, no. has said. Yeah, um, are you see talking about his Twitter post? You probably, but because uh, he had a Twitter post that was talking about that how if. Um, this is well received, or if the you know if the cards are well received, they'll print. They they can they have the ability to print that mechanic on something on other cards in in the future. So it's it's there a it's a way to yeah it's like I I get the people who don't want to spend money on these cards and then thinking they'll never be reprinted, but Magic owns all of it except for the character. They own everything else. It's not like yeah, they just, can't, they can't put a new character on that. Change change the name to it. It's keep just the abilities. Like, just like Godzilla. All the Godzilla creatures. They had a showcase with Godzilla, but it was still a different creature. Yeah, these are named after characters, but they can change those names and change the character. That's interesting. So I did not see this. I I get the argument, but it's is this someone who doesn't want to pay for that for the two cards or the four cards that are coming out? It's I don't know. It's just something that can be overlooked. To to me, it can be overlooked. Yeah, you don't have to buy these cards, but doesn't mean the same ability or the same words aren't going to be used on a card in the future. It is very true. Functional reprints are a thing that wizards have done, and. And this could be very well an easy one for them to do. Right. With, with uh, Michonne, like, Golgari Zombies is totally a thing that could be done in the future. You know, this... I I feel a lot of people probably miss this text, so I need you to send me that link, and I'll put it in the show notes, because th- I feel this would alleviate maybe some players' dis- uh, distaste for uh, the specific The Walking Dead uh, secret layer drop. Just uh, go on Twitter to Mark Rosewater. It was his Twitter account that posted that tweet. That that does that does feel a lot better. I mean, I don't know. Would this be something I'd buy? No, I'm not a Walking Dead fan, but there are multiple ups upsides to this, so we cannot deny so, the fact that. So Walking- I I have the Twitter up right in front of me. I will read it. Okay. So this is two part Twitter. Uh, tweet, I should say not Twitter. Uh, first part, while the secret lair is a one one chance to get the Walking Dead versions of these cards, we have the ability to print the magic versions of these cards in future products. Part two, so let's say Negan becomes a popular commander, we can print the magic version, same card mechanically, but with a different name, with a magic name and art in any f- number of future products. This is not a case of us being unable to to make more of a popular played card. So it's a way for them to play test, I guess, in public a few different mechanics that they've been thinking of using. I think if they don't like of, it, they can eliminate it or change it. I think this is just another way to get more people into playing magic because it, it could be it could be drawing from another Another platform or another 
genre yeah per se the walking dead you know they probably have a very tight-knit group of followers that love the show and hey they're zombie tribal yeah and then the uh, the political aspect of negan like i don't know if that does get reprinted i'd imagine that'd be like a conspiracy three uh set or uh, a commander uh battle bond battle bond sets there because both those have pretty political style cards yeah i'd say so battle bond before conspiracy because conspiracy that's not allowed in modern correct yeah, no no yeah conspiracy is not allowed in modern or vintage or like no it's in vintage legacy is it? commander yep oh it's uh same, same with, with battle bond yep same with i battle suppose bond. you yeah. can't play that in modern i suppose but both of those have very strong political cards because you got like uh the voting in uh, cons- uh, conspiracies, yep. both one and two, and then you got the un- not the undaunted, the one where you know everybody can help pay for spells and stuff like that, uh, both political ends. So Negan yep. could, I feel Negan could fit in something like that if we see uh, another battle bond product or another conspiracy product. Okay, yeah, oh yeah, it's just those who are complaining about it again. This product probably isn't aimed towards them anyway, but it's just that it can be reprinted later. So quit crying about it. Quit cr- quit trying to make people feel bad for buying the product. If they want to buy it, let them buy it. If they don't want to buy it, they won't buy it. Leave it at that. I mean, put it. You guys know my feelings on secret layers. Well, Rats. yeah. Well, you know what. I think, I think they're the dumbest thing ever. I think this is good, but, though. The fact you that... You know how people were saying that Strixhaven is probably going to be a Harry Potter theme, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Here you go. Harry Potter secret lair. It's true. It already has it been. Could, it could be, but we don't... It already has been, guys. For Harry Potter? Yeah, they did the special set, of, what, a year ago? A Harry Potter set? Yeah. Did they? Was it not... Are you sure it's not like a fan Harry Potter draft set? Because they did stuff like that for Harry Potter and Star Wars that I Harry recall. Harry Potter MTG. So, December 20, 2019, Jake Viper did an article on Harry Potter, the Magic the Gathering, dual decks with two alternative win conditions. So, it's been over a year. Almost a year. What? You don't remember this? We talked about it. I don't think we were, we were part of this. No, we weren't recording. Each player starts with 30 life. Their deck, uh, there are internal alternative win cons for each deck. Harry Potter may win by having any student or teacher equipped with all three hollows. Lord Voldemort may win by controlling all seven horror cruxes and Lord Voldemort at the same time. It's a, it's a side one, but it's yeah, still a this, product that they've produced. No, this ain't a wizard's official product. This is all done by MTG Cardsmith. Someone Lead made the these cards. It's already been technically done, just not by Watsy. Yeah, and so this would be a chance for Watsy to like do in on that. But the question is, would they do it? Because Harry Potter fans are like, I love Harry Potter, but I don't love J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Each to their would, own. Right. Would the thing, especially with like wizards taking a stance on the, uh, Therese Nielsen, you know, and her her views. That kind of like anything to make a buck. Yeah, they might. They'll do it if it'll sell cards and make money. They'll do it. But anyways, adding variety to the collector editions or think, collector cards. I, don't know, I I hope this brings in some more people into magic. 
I, I like the fact that, you know, anything to get more people to come into this game to have them experience it could be good. But does the price point need to be high? That's the thing. Shouldn't getting new people in be well again a lower entry point? We don't know how many cards are coming in this uh you know, typical, they have like five cards. So, I mean, we can expect that. Maybe there will be more cards. But you also got to imagine, again, royalties for having the name The Walking Dead with this. Maybe the higher price is to alleviate, or not alleviate, to help pay for those royalties towards towards uh, The Walking Dead. Because, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting a Rick card. And we're also getting a Carl card. I'm calling them because they haven't been released. They have to. Those, but I'm those saying, are like, yeah, they have to have a Rick and they have to have a Carl. But who would the fifth be? Uh, Daryl. Who? Yeah, you can't forget Daryl. Well, I suppose yeah, Daryl. Daryl would be good, and maybe they'd have an artifact of crossbow and pistol, six six shooter revolver. What did he have? A Colt forty five. Rick. I don't know. I think he just had like a python and he had a general. No. Well, there we go. He just had a police revolver. There we go. Full set. Two new artifacts. Heard it here first, folks. <laughs> just a guess. Educated guess, but a guess. But something that's not guessing is MTG stocks in our finance section. Because, boy, have we definitely tangented off. This is going to be a longer episode for y'all. Hope you don't mind. We've been very good at that. I feel, I don't know, I feel our content that we talk about is definitely worth that that hour and a half, probably. As long as you don't live miss it, we're fine. Yeah. So let's jump into that finance section. My phone won't open it. We have this week, quick update here. Uh, Arjun says that they... Updated MTG stocks. They did some maintenance last week. I think we talked about it where they're just changing infrastructure and servers. Yep. So there's uh, a couple minor things that they patched. Some people were having some issues. If you're currently having issues, they just re- recommend that you uh, refresh your caches and then that will resolve most of the issues. If not, send them an email at website at mtgstocks.com to let them know and they will help you. Uh, fix the problems, and then they'll let you know if any more things come out. But with that, let's talk about some card prices. Oh, yeah. First off, let's talk about Danny's favorite card. I don't know what favorite card. I mean, you... It's just a card that's throwing a massive wrench into the standard right now. Scoot Swarm. Dumb. We talked about it earlier. We talked about it last week in Deck of the Week. It is seen a 369% increase now at $6.50. Uh, but as of. Two- it was eleven ninety seven at its peak. Yeah. Oof. $12 for a three drop. You can find them for four bucks, average market price. On uh, TCG Player, you can get them for two thirty three. So this is just like a hard, hard uh, fluctuating of a price of a new card that just got printed. But. Uh, the reason for this move up in price is that this seems to be more of a natural growth of a card demand, uh, especially with tight uh, Uro, Lotus, and Omnath. Though, since today, the price has dropped down. Like I said, you can find these things for like 230 
after the BNR announcements. But it still works very well with Omnath and Lotus Cobra. And then you mutate this with Migratory Greathorn and our auspicious, auspicious Sterix. You, you, you can't go wrong making copies of, of a 6-6. Six, six. Nope. Especially when you're making thousands of them. Right. Next on the weekly winners, we have Flagstones of Trokir, which has seen a significant increase. Uh, the Ultimate Masters Edition has jumped up 163%, now sitting at under $15. Though on TCG Player and Card Kingdom, you can find them for $10 and $6.50, respectively. It has started to move down in price on the market price, according to MTG Stocks, uh, around $11.74. This is a land, a legendary land, that taps to add white, when Flagstones of Tarkir is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may search your library for a Plains card and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Then you may shuffle your library. So what's making this very prominent right now is Cleansing Wildfire or things like Elvish Reclaimer. Uh, it's spiked because of Landfall. Quote, when you have one on the battlefield and you play your second one, you get one landfall trigger because you played a land, then you have to sacrifice one because of the legendary rule, and you get to find a planes and put it into play. Of course, this will net you another landfall trigger. But there's more. It sees play in modern Titan field decks. Together with Elvish Reclaimer, it can fill up your graveyard with land cards pretty quickly and enables you to ramp. You can sacrifice your flagstones, find a new land with the ability to get a planes back with flagstones or shark here. Uh, yeah, they don't mention here the uh, Cleansing Wildfire, which is the red one destroy a land uh, search for a uh, basic. So it essentially is a, you destroy Flagstones of Tarkir, it gets put in the graveyard, that trigger goes on the stack, and you get a search with Cleansing Wildfire, so you get two lands, draw a card for two mana. It's pretty good. In, in red-white style, uh, red-white based decks. Pretty good. Not bad. Uh, in the article, they also have a list of a Titan Field deck that utilizes it. So definitely read the article if you're interested in a Titan Field deck with Flagstone, Flagstones of Trokir. Next on the weekly winners, we have Archfiend of Despair, which is a Battle Bond Mythic Rare that has jumped up 31% to now $20.82. Archfiend of Despair is Black Black 6 for a 6-6 demon with flying. Your opponents can't gain life. At the beginning of each end step, each opponent loses life equal to the life that player lost this turn. Uh, this card can be found online still on TCG Player Card Kingdom for $14.38 and $17.99 respectively. Market price has jumped down. hasn't really jumped up with the average price. Uh, average price and market price are little different all the time uh market price is what things are actually selling and buying at average is what people are posting at so market price is 1671 you can find them pretty cheap still uh this card has moved up in price for commander play primarily with one of the new cards scourge of the sky claves that's a brutal instant win <laughs> yeah uh you kick scourge of the sky clave and um Scourge of the Skyclave is a new card from Zendikar Rising. It is black one, demon, star, star. When you cast this spell, if it was kicked, each player loses half their life rounded up, and the second text to that doesn't matter at all. 
nope. at this point. Because with this, your opponent just straight up loses the game at the end of turn. As long as Archfiend's on the battlefield already. Yeah, yeah. as long as Archfiend's on the battlefield. Or then you can have things uh, like Wound Reflection as well. Yeah, be, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like what I did to you the other day, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and that was before Scourge of the Sky Clave even got announced. This was like a month ago, I yep. think, when you did that. But cards yep. like... Revival Revenge. There you go. Maybe that's a card to be on the lookout for as well with Scourge of the Sky Clave. Uh, before we move to the cheap pickups, a new thing that they added in here is a reserve list card updates because we all know with COVID, reserve list cards are moving up in price and people are taking note. They're oh, noticing yeah. this. This has been reserve list summer, I would say. Reserve list quarantine? I think we'll find a better uh, name that will stick. Uh, it says here... In the three winners discussed, I left out all reserve list cards out on purpose because it seems like most of the movements are only because the cards are on the reserve list rather than organic demand. So here are the top three reserve list spikes. It seems like people have now aimed their crosshairs on cheaper reserve list cards in the hope the price will go up. So we see some cards going up over 200%, which also nets about a $3 difference. So these are all cards that are, oh, first two are sub $2 cards uh, uh, with Crovex. The last one went from, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay. First, we have Crovex the Cursed. It is uh, seeing a 241% increase. Sounds a lot, but it's not. It jumped up to 4 bucks. The market price is still at $2.81. You can find them on TCG Player for a buck. Uh, Crovax is black, black, two. Crovax the Curse enters with four plus one counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may sack a creature. If you do, put a plus one counter on Crovax. If you don't, remove a plus one counter from Crovax. And then you have black Crovax gains flying until end of turn. Uh, not much else to say about it. It's reserve list potential buy because it's it was sub $2 and you can still buy them for sub $2. Next, we have Rashida Scalebane, seeing a 205% increase, also sitting at $2.72 right now. You can find them online on Card Kingdom for $0.99 cents or TCG Player for $2.10. It is a white, white, three human soldier, 3-4, with tap, destroy target, attacking or blocking dragon, can't be regenerated, you gain life equal to its power. As you can see, not even, a, I mean, Ink Commander is more of a medical if anything, but yeah, no. You see that it's totally just a uh, reserve list buyout speculation. And the last one, which is a big mover, we have Diamond Valley seeing a also uh, almost a 200% increase at 183%, jumping up to $847. This card is originally printed in Arabian Nights. It was $300 just a couple weeks ago. Now it's jumped up. It is a land that tap sack a creature. You gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. Uh, this one has no recent decks that it's really using in Legacy or Vintage. So, again, this is just a grab for cheaper reserveless cards. And since this is reserveless land from Arabian Nights makes sense that it's super expensive you can find them on card kingdom for oof, card kingdom yeah 
has uh, them for $449. And then TCG Player, you can find them for $500. Yeah, they're not cheap. Nope. But with that reserve list all done, JB, give us some of them cheap, cheap pickups because that's a lot of high dollars that we were talking about there, at least at the end. Right. All right, so first up, we have Lightning Greaves, the Double Masters printing, sitting at $3.62. Record loan bottomed out. Next up, we have Academy Ruins, also Double Masters print, sitting at $8, record low and trending down. And then last but not least, we have the Locust God from C20. Sitting at $3.99, record low and trending down. We have two double master cards on here. We're going to have to do another episode with Lockheed. It's almost October. we got to right. do a double masters uh, two months later update. I felt we did a good job flying through that section, so let's close off with a user-submitted deck of the week. This one is brought to us by Gargoli on the Discord. Local magic player and ally enthusiast who also dabbles in Jund. He brings us this new Jund list with a couple new Zendikar Rising cards. And by a couple, I mean just three Nighthawk scavengers, which is the uh, Nighthawk and Tarmogoyf love child. But from this, it's the deck consists of two Goblin Guides, two Hex Drinkers, two Kroxa Titan of Death Hungers, two Skirt Scavenging Ooze, three Tarmogoyfs, three Nighthawk Scavengers, and three Bloodbraid Blood Elves. In the Planeswalkers, we have three Ren and Six and three Liliana the Veils. Then we got three Inquisitions of Kozilek, three Lightning Bolts, two Thought Seizes, two Assassin's Trophy, three Manamorphos. Two Coligans Command. Then we're moving to the land, which has two Black Cleave Cliffs, two Blood Crypt, three Bloodstained Mire, two Forest, one Mountain, one Nurturing Peatland, two Overgrown Tomb, two Raging Ravine, three Stomping Grounds, a Swamp, and a Wooded Foothills. We'll cover the uh, sideboard here in a second. But the main gist of this deck is just jun them out. It is interesting to see uh, the two Goblin Guide and two Hex Drinkers. I think some decks have the four Hex Drinkers. I don't think many Jund go for the t uh, Goblin Guides anymore. JB? I mean, not that I've seen. Unless it's becoming a new thing. Right. But 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 the big thing here that I like is seeing, you know, this kind of moves Tarmogoyf, I feel, with Nighthawk Scavenger from four to six Tarmogoyfs, essentially. And the Nighthawk Scavenger, kind of a little more uh, potent because it's lifelink and death touch. The lifelink is really good for junding, junding people out because, you know, if your opponent can aggro faster than what jund can get to you, like the, 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 the life gain that you get there from, let's just say you're going against a mono red mono red aggro there'll be an instant a sorcery or a creature and a land so it's a 
5-3 or a 4-3. And I played against it this last weekend, and Nighthawk Scavenger was a 3-3 or a 4-3. That is not something you want to be staring at in the air. Also, having uh, Manamorphose here, I don't right. think... I thought that was a little interesting. Right. I mean, it allows you to get your double black for a Nighthawk Scavenger or your black red for a Kroxa. Like, the two mana for almost anything in this in this is very worth it. And the drawing card. You know, it, it makes sense. You know, cycle through, get the mana, it goes through your deck. You're able to see your answers, get to your answers more frequently. Uh, I mean... Heck, even metamorphosing metamorphosis into a Renin Six is not bad. Or if you're like starting to get starved for lands, which is kind of hard for starved for colors, which is hard for Jun to do because Jun just they're really good. The deck is really good at getting all of the colored pips that it wants. Typically at the detriment of shocking and fetching, which I guess Nighthawk Scavenger alleviates that a little bit with the life gain. So yeah, no, Manamorphose, Nighthawk, Scavenger. I played against this deck. It was super fast, super aggressive. I enjoyed it a heck of a lot playing against it. I definitely like seeing Raging Ravine. I have a thing for uh, creature lands, uh, depending on the deck style specifically, if decks should be running more of those for like the late game or you know maybe in the sideboard to help you get to the late game. That's a topic for another day, but uh, let's talk about the sideboard here, which has two Fatal Push, two more Abrupt Decay, two Collective Brutality, two Collector Oof, two Fulminator Mage, the last Nighthawk Scavenger, two Plague Engineer, and two Leyline of the Void. The sideboard package seems to be very well-rounded to be able to attack anything that it would come up against. You got... Uh, the additional Nighthawk Night Scavenger for the life gain, probably against the Burn matchup, along with the correct Collective Brutality. Because with that, you uh, uh, escalate it, discard a card, kill their creature, gain two life, and pull out one of their Burn spells from their hand when they let that go. Uh, Fatal Push as well is good against that matchup because, you know, it takes the Soul Scar Mage and any aggro creature, Abrupt Decay, same thing. Except Abrupt Decay hits permanence three or less, which ranges into way different territory because it can hit uh, it can hit Merfolk, it can hit Enchantments, it can hit Arbor Elves, Utopia Sprawls, uh, Planeswalkers, it can tag, you know, Opposing Lilianas or opposing Narsets. Leyland of the Void, just good. Overall graveyard hate. Plague Engineer against Elf Tribal, Goblin Tribal, Merfolk Tribal, or maybe a Boggle before it gets suited up. No. <laughs> but this deck looks super good. It is a bit pricey at $1,000. And $1,028 in paper. And Welcome to Jund. 558 in ticks. Oh, man. Yeah. 
I don't know what you want to do here. You can you can shave off a lot of the price by getting rid of the Lilianas and the Renin Sixes. That would be like four hundred bucks there. And then you just like spread that out into more mainboard Thoughtseize or Inquisitions and creatures, if that's interesting to you. But still that's that's pretty up there in price. But we gotta we got we gotta shout out local local decks like this. This is just good jund with some new new tech that's very interesting and I like it a lot. Like I said, I gotta see the Nighthawk Scavenger. I think this might be a new way for decks jund decks to be going. I enjoyed it a lot. But oh man, Danny. Danny. Are you excited for this next part here? The end? Yes, I am. <laughs> We've made it to the end yet Finally. again. Finally. Thank you for joining us on this long journey. You that have made it to the end are legendary magic folk indeed. Thank you so very much. Danny appreciates you listening here because he knows you coming all the way to the end makes it worth it dealing with JB and my bullshit throughout the whole beginning. Yeah, it does. Because you think this episode's long. But you don't know how long it took us to get here. It's true. I'm thinking about posting one of the 10-minute clips that we had before this, just specifically into the Discord. One of the 10. <laughs> one of the 10. Right. Uh, it was super funny. Y'all, if you want to if you want to listen to it, you got to join the Discord. Send Matt an email. He may get back to you in three weeks. Pretty good at that. <laughs> or just hit up on Facebook. We can send it that way. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, all that's this week in MTG. You'll and be able actually, to find us. And actually hit up on Facebook. I'll probably see it before Matt even sees it. There you go. You want you want quick responding. Danny's on Facebook. Well, I just have our page available. If you guys have any other questions, comments, or concerns, you can also send us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. And we may get to it, or we may not. We don't know yet. All depends on Matt. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe so y'all don't miss an episode. As long as Matt gets it out on time. I do. Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, final plug here for J-Dubs. Go check them out. Link in the description down below. They're going to be at ValleyCon with singles. Maybe you can get some pretty sick deals as well. Um, ValleyCon is adhering to COVID social distancing things. There's only a certain amount of vendors that are allowed, and uh, they're limiting certain uh, a certain amount of people coming in. Uh, check the website. Links also for that in the description down below. But with that, y'all, we have made it to the end of an episode. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Yeah. See, See ya. ya. A big old fat bag of dicks. <laughs>